Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. Don't stop. He's with you, Cut. With his Honestly. I've guessed it. I've absolutely guessed it. I enjoy this so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody, welcome on in. It's another edition and another season of Mode Push and American View of F1 right here, KSL Podcast, KSL Sports. Alex Keery here and across the ether and uh, the magnanimous co-host of this program, as always, Dan Jimenez on the other side of things. Dan, what's up, man? How is everything? Uh, everything's great. It's race week. We're, oh. like, we're like 24 hours away from cars on the track. By the time this drops, we'll already have had a practice session. Wow, it's awesome. I'm excited, uh, man. We've got a lot to we've got a lot to talk about. I mean, we 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 sort of got through a few a couple of weeks ago in our our first kind of back into the saddle a little bit with the season, but now the season's on top of us, and the first week, uh, us actually staring at cars and how it's going to translate all of the. Uh, off-season work that all these teams are doing, all the aerodynamicists and the team bosses and the uh, the drivers and the driver market and the weirdness of everything all comes down to the actual racing parts. But there is the off-track stuff that we have to obviously jump into first. And because we haven't had any races or anything to actually discuss, in what was and what has been one of the more insane, and you correct me if I'm wrong, one of the more crazy off-seasons we've seen in the time that I've followed the sport since, I don't know, seven, eight seasons, this has to have been it. The off-track stories have been overwhelmingly uh, out of control compared to even the, like, nobody, nobody's obsessing over the look of side pods or anything, Dan. I don't know what to think about this. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really feel like we had an off-season. Maybe a little bit in December, but come January, like, it was just news dropping, you know, felt like every other day, and... Yeah, it just I think that helped me get through the off season of just uh getting ramped up for this, you know, first race. It kind of snuck up on us. Yeah. But yeah, huge huge news all over the board. Uh by the way, Dan can get through a lot of the off season just by staring at pictures at night of like a Ferrari <laughs> like front wing. Uh there was a picture that was floating around of of Red Bull's side pod off of their car in a garage, and I was like, "Dan oh. is loving this." Dan, oh, you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I was looking at it. I was like, "I have no idea what I'm looking at here," but cool. There's a lot of like cords and things like that. There looks like some. Well, I don't know. Is that is that uh, is that a miniature gas tank? What am I looking at here? And uh, I'm sure there's that kind of stuff that you can go and get into, and it'd be kind of fun yeah. to look at. But yes, let's first get to the biggest. The absolute biggest story in an offseason of already big stories. Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari. Uh, I don't know, the crazy driver market that's out there. Uh, Gunther Steiner being let go and not being in the sport this year. Of course, it's the Christian Horner news. After being investigated for allegations made against him for inappropriate conduct by a female member of the staff at Red Bull. Uh, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago. We find out a, little, a few more details as things went on because the independent investigation brought in a third party from the outside and we find out a bunch of things along the way that it was a female member of the staff that this person decided that going to Red Bull Racing was not going to be enough obviously when the person you are uh, accusing of, of of misconduct is the head of that she went all the way up to the 
big company in Austria and actually filed a complaint there. That's where they uh, elevated it to a an independent investigation where uh, Christian Horner, as of today, as of this morning as we're recording this, uh, so yesterday for a lot of you who are hearing this right now, it, it was found that uh, Christian Horner is going to be uh, found as, a, let me read the actual Red Bull racing statement so that I don't, uh, so I don't botch this one, Dan. The independent investigation into allegations made against Mr. Horner is complete, and Red Bull can confirm that the grievance has been dismissed. The complaint has a right of appeal. Red Bull is confident that the investigation has been fair, rigorous, and impartial. The investigation report is confidential and contains the private information uh, of the parties and third parties who are assisted in the investigation and therefore will not be commenting further out of respect for all concerned. Red Bull will continue to strive to meet the highest workplace standards uh, Dan, at some point, I think a couple of weeks ago, when they said, hey, this is going to this, they're going to investigate this Friday and they will likely have a decision by Monday. And when we didn't hear anything and then when Christian Horner was at the rolling out of the brand new car on the following Thursday, we were all kind of looking at each other going, so what's going on here? Like it was seemed very strange, but I think as Dave's went on, we just sort of went, I bet this thing is going to go in the direction of Christian Horner. And it looks like it has. And we don't know all the details except for that there was a grievance filed and that they have found. And again, it's very important, the wording on this too, Dan. Red Bull can confirm that the grievance has been dismissed. Um, Dismissed is an interesting word. It is. There's all sorts of ways it can be dismissed, not the least of which is, uh, you know, uh, settlements. Uh, There could be Mm -hmm. all sorts of things that can make this happen. I don't think that total innocence on the behalf of Christian Horner is what we're looking at because from all reports, it looks like when it was announced, the factory kind of burst into uh, a celebration. He was in a teary mess, apparently, according to witnesses. Uh, a since tweet has been deleted by a person who was reporting that from a party inside the building at Red Bull who said that he told the factory he needed to be a better person. Um, Take what you will from all of this information, but I think that we see something that has happened not just in the world of of, uh, professional sports or business overall, but it's also, I think, particularly something that you've pointed out is a problem in racing and in Formula One. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Yeah, it's been a line in the in the sand moment, and you heard a lot of comments from the other teams and the other principals saying like, "Hey, this is a good thing that we're taking this seriously. Um, this is a time for F one to like stand up and be professional." And so, I mean, Red Bull, it sounds like they ran the the process that needed to be run, um, and you know the the outcome is what it is. I think the the interesting part that you said is like how the how uh reportedly like excited all the Red Bull team was back in in the UK when it was announced that it had been dismissed and that Christian was staying because there's a lot of talk right now about the relative power that Christian Horner is assuming in not just Red Bull racing but Red Bull entire Red and that there's concerns from Red Bull Austria about how much he's there and influence he's having across the organization and so th- this might be like a, just kind of a microcosm of something more that's happening with a power struggle within Red Bull. Last year, the Red Bull founder, I was like uh, D- Dietrich Masich or whatever, uh, he, who was away, like yeah. the big F1 sponsor, 
uh, or in, you know, within Red Bull, he, uh, you know, he passed away. Mm -hmm. And so power vacuum, you know, uh, it has been created and it's just interesting to, to hear these rumors that like maybe Red Bull Austria is not comfortable with the amount of power that Christian Horner holds within the organization. So there, this might not be the last thing we, we see where Christian comes under scrutiny from, from the, uh, the board and, you know, the folks in Austria. Well, and it's interesting too, because you have uh, split ownership, right? You have part of it in Thailand, you have part in, uh, in the UK or in Austria, excuse me. And then the racing that's, that's obviously centered in the UK. Now Red Bull does a lot. I think we all see in the world of motorsport, in the world of action sports, things like that. What do we call? I don't know. What do we call them? Action sports. I feel like that's a yeah. Is that from the movie Triple X with, uh, yeah. <laughs> with with Vin Diesel? Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. Again, uh, it's a crazy thing because the popularity of F one has absolutely wound up and gotten huge, especially in our world right here in the U S. And watching it, and and you know, you have these moments, right? And so. Like I said, yeah. when we did this a couple of weeks ago, I was like, this is going to be one of those moments that, you know, F1's got to figure some things out, and they will. They'll have to, at the very least, if they were going to find him uh, not guilty, or in this case, dismiss, they're just going to, you know, announce that it's been dismissed. Um, it's they're, they're going to be like, well, but guess what? We're going to have to take things, like, insanely serious because uh, this is the kind of thing that will take down an entire team and possibly an entire sport. Uh, not the least of which it, it could ruin uh, personal lives, not of the people that are accused, but of the people who are the victims, right? And so right. Uh, the last thing you want is for, you know, again, I don't pretend to know any information more than anybody else does right now at this point. Uh, I think there's just, you know, these moments where you go, all right, what happened at the beginning it was like, oh, there's way too much damning information on this, right? It was, that was what we heard from the very beginning. It was way. like, oof, yeah. there's way too much here. And just looking at like a handful of text messages, they'll be able to determine a lot of things here. And so then it turned into what sounds like a process of probably negotiating or trying to figure out how to get this thing dismissed or, you know, whatever else comes from a legal standpoint. Uh, but anyway, Red Bull is going oh. to retain their <laughs> boss there. So there you go. Yeah. All I'll add to that is, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, in the, one of the early episodes of Drive to Survive, they do the like uh, behind the scenes at the Horner house and it's Christmas. Oh, yes. And they have Santa come in. And there's this time, there's this moment where Santa asks the kids if, if dad's been, been a good, good boy this yes. year. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know if Netflix meant to put that in or forgot to cut it out, but that's not no. good timing. Either way, they probably were just like, look, it is what it is. We can't. Has Daddy been good this year? Right, and they're like, uh, and I thought it was so weird. Remember they, that whole episode was so weird because he goes into like to a sitting room where uh, you know obviously we can't relate to a guy who's like out on like these shooting uh, extravaganza. I mean, it looks like he's it looks like an episode of The Crown, by the way, the world that right. uh, yeah. that that Christian Horner and uh, and uh, Ginger Spice uh, live right, and so the kids are small, right, and. They they have the scene where Santa is sitting in like a a reception room, basically, you know, like the like a sitting room, and he's like, "Okay, the kids are gonna come inside." Father Christmas, you good? He kept calling him Father Christmas, right? Father Christmas. So yeah. Father Christmas, so, you'll so sit British. over here. You'll sit over here, and then the kids will come in, and then uh, obviously we'll give them some treats, and we'll talk to them about the, you know. So okay, Father Christmas, thanks for coming. You know, and then like Jerry comes in. Okay, oh, that's Father Christmas, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this weird world these guys live in. And you're right when he goes, "Has your daddy been good?" But he asked it like <laughs> twice or three times, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and you're then, going like, cut to cut to Christian, uh, and the look on his face was like, uh, "You're talking about? He's like, good. we're talking about racing, right? We're just talking about podiums, right? right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little personal, so Father ridiculous. Christmas." <laughs> uh, while we're on the drive to survive thing here, before we get into some winter testing and some of the results that you saw on the actual timesheets, uh, I'm three episodes in, and it was interesting that you and I both kind of mentioned this, like, "Oh yeah, I haven't." Really. By this time, I would say three years ago, I would have watched four episodes. Between midnight and 3 a.m., like the night that it came out. And it's funny that we were mentioning this, kind of both of our, uh, you know, how much we'd seen so far this year. It's been out more than a week. Um, I'm three episodes in, and you're three episodes in without us planning it. And I was actually reading an article today that it's down 30%. I saw that. On the viewership of what it normally would have gotten after the release of x many days and this is at a time by the way dan when f1 maybe f1 has gotten popular enough without the without the series i don't know what it is i don't know if it's a chicken before the egg thing whatever or if people are just going eh, i don't need to see the series or if they know how much of it is dramatized maybe some mix of all of it uh but i haven't been watching it nearly the amount that i thought uh, that i was going to especially because of the offseason stuff like i thought oh man i'm gonna watch all this but are you surprised that the viewership is down, even not just for this show, but for everybody, it seems like? Yeah, when I saw that tweet of the being down 30%, it initially caught me off guard, and then I got to thinking about it, and it's like, well, it has been a crazy offseason. It feels like so much news has broken in the last month that possibly can't be in the series, in the Netflix series, so maybe that kind of softens it a little bit um, or waters, it, waters yeah. the excitement down. But then also, like, we're coming off a completely dominant year by Red Bull and Max Verstappen. And so it's it didn't have the drama of maybe some of the previous seasons where you're like, man, I really want to see what happened at Abu Dhabi in that last race between Max and Lewis. What happened? Because you watch it to get the behind the scenes stuff. Sure. Right. And there was, you know, there's a few things from last year, like what was going on behind the scenes with, you know, Red Bull. I did think that so far the most interesting stuff um, episode was following Danny Rick at the test at Silverstone, because that was something we kind of heard reports about later on, on how all that went down and the decision for him to get um, put in Nick DeVries seat. So I thought that was the most interesting. I think more of that is what we're looking for. And maybe less of this, like, let's go see Nick DeVries, like go out on a boat. That's I think for the diehard fans, that's probably like less enticing. Yeah. And I, 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 I think from my own personal viewing standpoint, like, I think maybe there's a little bit of me that goes and some of the some of the tweets and things that people reacting, they go, come on, Netflix, like stop with the over drama, you know, the the overly dramatic and the dramatization. We've known it's been like that, I think, from the beginning. But I think there's some stuff that like the viewer goes, hey, I actually watched that race and it was nothing like you could you fooled me in the first couple of seasons. Right. Because maybe I wasn't following the race as well or I didn't know the behind the scenes Mm -hmm. as well. And I would just kind of go, okay, yeah, they, man, those guys really hate each other, man. Uh, you know, I think when people do the fake cut, the fake cuts of what, how, you know, Drive to Survive is going to treat X, Y, and Z, you know, situations on the track and they, and it becomes a joke in itself because that they overdo it and whatever like that to me seems, you know, a little bit of what people are kind of going through as well. Uh, and so I don't know for me. I I haven't been, but I, there was also part of me today that went, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to watch two of those episodes before I go to bed tonight and see how they're treating certain things. They've definitely kind of given more space for like individual drivers, it seems like, and not just like races. Uh, so far, at least, we kind of had the 
da- you and I just finished the Danny Rick uh, kind of episode. I'm trying to think of what there was at the beginning. Uh, they'll kind of split a few of them, but uh, again, I'm I'm the guy who uh, usually obsesses over this stuff. But maybe you're right. Maybe because we have gotten so much actual news in the off season. And not just like looking at the pictures of arrow rakes on cars, like you know. Mm-hmm. Then I'm then I. It's actually something. It is, you know. I'm less interested in for some reason, but I am still going to finish it before the season starts, and that season's going to start up this weekend. So, yeah. when they all hit the track, and winter testing, which is obviously something that goes uh, the parts that we're able to see. And that actually, I probably, now that we mentioned it, I watched more of that than I did uh, Drive to Survive. I I watched like, and when they would have the four-hour sessions, I'm like, ooh, four hours. And then I'd be like, I'm not going to watch four hours of this because the commentators have nothing to say. You're watching a bunch of green paint on cars and, like I said, these arrow rakes. I don't know what we're finding out about it. I don't know if the times are fake or not or whatever. What did you learn from it trying to read between the lines of what we saw from the timing sheets and winter testing? Yeah. So like testing was my deal when I was in NASCAR, like that I was on the R and D team. And so that was like the time to perform. And so it may be just because of that, I'm maybe less interested in testing because I know what's going on. It's like, you don't go to testing to put down your fastest lap. You really don't want to show your stuff too much. What you go to testing to do is to do what's called correlation. Like you've got all these fancy simulators and like computer programs and everything that you're using to guess the performance of the car. And then you can actually get it on track with enough time to like put all these arrow rakes and all this equipment on it to be able to measure what you need as for your inputs for your simulator. So you're doing all this work to make sure that your simulator is as accurate as possible for the rest of the season. And then you're trying to, but like, Hey, we're going to try a different, you know, suspension setup or whatever. You're kind of just trying to measure deltas and differences and try to learn about the car more than trying to eke out like top performance. And then at the end, when you get ready for the race week, then you're like, Hey, put everything together and we're going to see how fast we really are. So I think you, well, you, you know, there was a lot of analysis that I saw over the um, testing days on Twitter from, um, you know, people trying to infer what they could from, um, all the data that, that we had access to. And, you know, you, I think like what we probably would have expected, obviously like, um, Red Bull is the fastest over the course of like a run, a tire run, Mm -hmm. but Ferrari is the fastest, like one lap, which has kind of been the case in the last few years, but it, it seems like Ferrari's really caught up. Um, but will they have the tire where, um, to be able to keep up over the course of race with Red Bull is probably the, the most open question. But like I, it seems from the data analysis and from like all the driver interviews, like Red Bull and Ferrari are clearly the top two. And then it's probably a mix of McLaren, Aston, Mercedes in between with like Red Bull racing, cash app, whatever, what I don't know what we're calling them. <laughs> You're yeah, probably in that mix. Like, I think that's still going to be my surprise dark horse for the year that that um, former, uh, former AlphaTauri team is going to be racing there in the midfield. And then there's some pretty wide consensus that Alpine is way off, which is sad to wow. see. Like, I mean, they yeah. were kind of like running third, fourth, not, you know, too long ago, you know, a couple of seasons ago, and they just have really fallen uh, behind on the development cycle. So um, the problem was not Otmar that <laughs> obviously like they've just only gone backwards since they sure. let him go. So um, I think that, I mean, we could get into like some of the design philosophies. Like I thought that the car launches were pretty interesting this year because there was a lot of like trick photography going on. And 
uh, to hide what was going on in the side pod area, especially <laughs> Red Bull. Like when they had the Red Bull press release and all the press photos came out, you could not see where the inlet was. And it felt like a, you know, that they had done the zero pod thing that Mercedes chased for so many years and couldn't get figured out. And then finally, once they got out on the testing into real, you know, daylight, we could tell what they were doing. But that's a, I think that's where everyone's scratching their heads because um, on the Red Bull side, like what they've pulled off is more of a, an engineering feat within like cooling and how they package all the radiators and everything that it takes to cool the car in a way that can still, that can still cool the car with very little airflow going into it. And I think that's, you know, pulling the side pods off and getting a look at the cooling system is what I think every other team is wishing they could see right now. And even if you could see it, it's a year before you could engineer that right? Uh, to follow them. And so that's when they talk about like, you know, Lewis Hamilton complaining last August that Red Bull has a six month head start on the development of next year's car. I think that's really what they're talking about. It's less the arrow and it's more the how are we going to repackage all this stuff into a way that we can make a more aerodynamically efficient car. And that takes a six month head start on everybody to pull it off. And it looks like Red Bull has. And we'll see how that plays out in terms of like performance in the race. But it seems like Red Bull is going to be very consistently fast and Ferrari's going to probably be like Charles on pole, but gets passed by max on lap 15. Um, I'm looking at this too. And now that we're mentioning it, the Aston Martin episode was interesting because it was something that oh, they, yeah. I mean, first of all, I mean, as if you needed any more proof to just see how genius slash insane <laughs> Lawrence Stroll is like watching his interaction, even, and even like his staff, as they're getting ready for that party and how like Dude, scared of stressing. him. Oh, they're so scared <laughs> of that guy. <laughs> they're so scared of him. And uh to see, you know, and then them, you know, obviously you remember when uh when uh Lance had the the cycling accident and you know making that more dramatic than it was. I mean, it was it was a pretty dramatic thing. And we were pretty like, oh, I can't believe he came back and raced. But you know, the, the what they made it look like and and what they made Aston Martin. I mean, remember how crazy Aston Martin started and then uh, and then they they became very average after the, you know, the middle of the season, and then kind of came back again. And, and it was all because, uh, you know, Fernando's just an insane driver. I don't know what to expect with them, but watching in contrast, uh, the McLaren episode, right, where they are, might be the same episode too. I don't know. They're kind of maybe living next to each other, but it was watching Zach Brown sitting in front of their chairman for McLaren, and then being like, uh, like you're this close, dude. You are this close. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't need he was that called season. To the principal's office. Yes, they sure. didn't. They didn't need that season for the sake of oh, let's get back on the on the track. Zach Brown was going to be fired, like Zach Brown mm -hmm. was this close to losing his gig, and so he's cheering for Lando and for Oscar because he got to keep his job basically for who knows how long. But I mean, they came on strong, and uh, so the episodes that they had with that, you kind of forget at the beginning of the season how bad it was for McLaren, even though we talked about it so much. You're like, oh, yeah, they were 18th and 19th in a lot of these races or DNF and 18th or DNF and 17th. Like just so many problems with that team. Where's McLaren going to end up then? You tell me if that's a team that could make a little bit more of a jump or if it's going to just kind of be a, uh, you know, the usual suspects. If it's going to be Red Bull and, and Mercedes and Ferrari kind of vying there and maybe an Aston Martin kind of in there as well. Or, or what about the, uh, the Papaya team? Yeah, they definitely had momentum finishing off last year. And, you know, Lando is, Lando is like 
always negative. Like, I think every time they ask, like, how's so your mean. car? Yes. He's always like, eh, it's not that good. But I think that and that's the just PR Lando. People, the PR people were like, hey, we're just going to keep it to like, oh, we're going to race our race. We know we have a lot of confidence in where we're going. And then they were like, do you think maybe going to another team might be in your future? And he's like, I mean, you have to think about it. And you're like, geez, dude, that's not what the PR team told you yeah. to say. Don't tell the media you're thinking about jumping teams because he had three bad races at the beginning. But, I mean, man, whatever. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. is super negative and also very quick to say, I'm ready to jump teams like at any given moment. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah. He, so I don't really take a lot, you know, I take anything he says in an interview with a grain of salt, but he did say that, you know, we can't really look at the times from – testing to be super indicative for how we're going to be for the season because he seems to think that Bahrain doesn't really play into um McLaren's hands but I mean Bahrain's a pretty like average track so I would hope that they feel good there or else they're probably not going to do super great over the course of the season but you know I I think that w- what I saw what I've seen in the design updates to all these cars is again, like convergence to an optimum with Red Bull having found one more trick that no one else had figured out yet. So, I mean, I expect McLaren to be fast, Aston to be fast. You know, Aston will be the interesting one. Uh, Fernando's really downplaying it in his interview. Just, you know, what did he say? Like 19 drivers already know they're not going to win the championship. Right. So like Mr. Sunshine, just like, (laughs) thank you for that. Uh, So I, I think McLaren will be faster than Aston and Mercedes. So I, I do think it's a Red Bull Ferrari McLaren is the top three going into the season. Um, and I don't know, like part of my thought with Red Bulls, if they really did change all of their cooling and so much of the intricate like workings of the car, I mean, there might be reliability issues that they hadn't that they didn't have last season because that there's such a wholesale change on on that. And maybe they they could suffer performance wise that way. Um uh- when you look at it though, like who's going, who could be a surprise team? Could it be because the Cash App team, the Visa, Visa gift card Cash App race one, <laughs> Formula One race team, uh, because they are now centered in the UK and they're basically just able to, I mean, they used to be able to cheat off of the homework of Red Bull, but now it's like, it's almost like they can walk the manufacturing across the street. So how does that work? You mentioned a little bit about that in the last episode. But now that you look at it, do you think that that Yuki uh, can can really because like that guy I think is pretty exciting for a lot of folks. And then Danny Rick on top of it, you go, man, this is a this is quite interesting to have that team and to have the ability that they have at least to kind of uh, cheat off the big team. Yeah, if if they make the strides that I think that they could make with all the technical alliance stuff that they've changed, I mean, you could see either Yuki or Daniel outpacing um, uh, Sergio, you know, I, I see those three as pretty equal in terms of driver talent. So if they have more equal equipment, I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of preposterous, but it could definitely be the case, especially Daniel vying for that seat. Like he is racing this year to get Sergio's seat next year. Like, I think that that's his goal. Right. Um, But I, so maybe he, because of that, he might overdrive it and try too hard. But, um, you know, I think Yuki's driving to keep his seat at Alpha Towery. Uh, so I think that those would be the most, I think that's the most interesting team to watch uh, in those two drivers for kind of different reasons. Uh, and I think Sergio, again, he might already know that like the the cake is cooked, like he's not going to get an, uh, a new contract. Right. Uh, and those two guys are going to be nipping at his heels. So I think that'll be really interesting to watch. And it's hard to be like, yeah, Red Bull beat Red Bull. Like that's great. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> I think no, it'll create some Visa, drama. It's the Visa uh, gift card brought to you by uh, the Cash App, and then in uh, in small print, Red Bull. I mean, it's just I I don't know, I don't know what to think. So I don't know how excited I'm supposed to be about that team. But, I do like Yuki. You and I both like Yuki. I think yeah. Danny Rick's a fun comeback story as well. So I I don't hate any of it, but I I and I want more competitiveness. So I'm 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 a little bit. Uh, contrary to what you're saying, like I prefer to have, I don't care who uh, up on the podium. That's a little bit more different than you know the one guy who I haven't even thought about this off season. Maybe other episodes are going to make me do it. Like Checo, it's not just those guys nipping his heels. Like I just don't even think about the guy. The poor, poor guy mm-hmm. is just being totally forgotten in the whole thing because now even Christian Horner, no one's going to want to talk to Checo at all. It's just going to be like wanting to know what Christian Horner's doing and what and what Max Verstappen's doing. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the last uh, interesting thing, or like the least interesting thing right. about Red Bull mm-hmm. right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's I. I'll, it'll be interesting to see what Red Bull corporate decides to do with that second team. I could see them selling that off and just saying, "Hey, we're gonna maybe divest a little bit inside of you know Formula One," and because Dietrich's you know he's gone now. If he was the one that was really pushing for it, I could see new management saying, "Hey, we're gonna." sell this off, focus only on the one single team. Um, and that could be a way for a new entrant to come in and in, in an interesting way is buying that organization. But if they were going to do that, it probably wouldn't make sense what they just did and started like copying all the the homework over from Red Bull Racing right before they sell the team. But it was rumored last year yeah. uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, Sergio, just guy I'm not really thinking about that, you know, probably, you know, should be for the equipment that he's in. Uh, I'm going to do a couple fill in the blanks. You ready for this? Have we discussed these previously? No, no, I don't know what's coming. Okay, here we go. The second best team on the grid who actually has a shot of challenging Red Bull for the championship is? Ferrari. The second best driver on the grid who will finish second to Max Verstappen in the World Driver Championship is? Uh, Carlos Sainz. Oh, see, you didn't have the guts to say Chaz Leclerc. Look at you. <laughs> he's just not consistent enough. I think Carlos is steady Eddie, and I think he's gonna have good equipment. I, I, I feel like Carlos is. is Carlos has might nothing to lose too he over has, the course of a season. He has nothing to lose too, because like he's probably gonna have that Audi drive, right? I yeah. Mean, although I did see something. Uh, Karun Chandog did say. Why would he want to do that? They won't be even competitive until 2030, and he'll be 39 at that point. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we're all getting so old. But I don't know. I mean, in the end, though, you're right. Carlos Sainz, his dad just won a rally championship he again. He won the freaking Dakar. That's, that, yes. that's incredible. He won Dakar, as in a, and he's in his 60s. Yes, middle finger to his son's career, right? And just going, <laughs> come on, let's get it going. Uh, okay, the very worst team on the grid is? Oz. Oh, those poor Americans. Uh, (laughs) the future for Logan Sargent is, uh, I think this is going to be his last year. I don't think he makes it another year. So not third place in the world driver championship. No, no. My guess is, Uh, I think, you know, gosh, I mean, Williams is good equipment. He has a year, so maybe I shouldn't so quickly dismiss him. But I do think that Williams being in that Mercedes camp has like access to really yeah. good uh, young talent coming up. And uh, they there's this hot, hot shoe. Um, the guy, gosh, 
I'm gonna get his name wrong. Yeah, I was gonna say. But, yeah, it's uh, it's is it Marie Antoinette? No, no, Antonelli no, is not the guy's last name. Antonelli, yeah. yeah, that guy. He's uh, he's like he's so hot to, right you know, now. Toto was saying that like the reason that they only gave Lewis a year contract was because they wanted a seat available in two years for him because yeah. they made that mistake with Max Verstappen. They could have gotten Max and they just didn't have a seat to put him in. So you know he could come up through Williams if the timing doesn't work out. Um, and yeah, I'm sure that Williams would put him in, uh, you know, as soon as that guy has the super license points for it after running F2 this year, I, I think Williams, uh, would put him in, in Logan's seat in a, in a second, even if it was just for a couple of years of development for, um, before you go to Mercedes. Okay. The, oh, this is, oh, the team that's going to make the biggest stride this year is, uh, I will say Red Bull Cash App team is going to make the biggest strike. And they finished eighth last year. I'm going to predict they finish fifth. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, the, the guy who's going to lose his job as the team principal this offseason is? Oh, uh, whoever's at Alpine is going <laughs> to lose their job. You don't even know who it is anymore. I don't even like, know uh, who it is. Some I can't remember the, who Hold replaced on. it, Otmar, but he's gone. Uh, hey Siri, who's the team principal of uh, of, Al- of Alpine <laughs> Racing? She doesn't know either. It's Bruno Famine. Yeah, Bruno. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, he was the executive director at the engine division uh, for Alpine, so I think you're undercutting him. Uh, the person who's going to win a Grand Prix for the first time in their career is oh gosh, uh, Oscar Piastri. Why didn't you say Lando? You know how you're like treating him like uh, Charles Leclerc did, or Gosh, like I think he would have he would have won it by now. Wow. I just, I mean, Oscar's shot out of a cannon in his rookie year. Maybe he goes through a sophomore slump, but I could see him stealing one where he's just <laughs> right place, right time. Rain comes, and he just, I don't know, something. The vibes are that he's going to win one before Lando. The person that we will forget is even on the grid by the end of the year is. Uh, Joe Guanyu. <laughs> oh yeah, he's out. <laughs> See, I was gonna say Pierre Gasly. Not that he'd be out of driving, just because everyone will have forgotten who he and Esteban Ocon even are. In yeah. That, uh, yeah. I don't care how many times you try to make your car pink, no one is going to remember you guys this year because you're gonna be so bad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm trying to think if I had any other ones <laughs> on the top of my list. <laughs> Those are good ones. Most of them are just mean. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh. Your first place world driving champion for 2024 is Max. He's going to win number four. Mm. Odds on favorite All for right. sure. And you didn't give Checo a chance, huh? No. All right, that's fine. Where no. does where does Checo finish? Because he was still second in the uh, in the driver standings last year. I think he third, fourth, somewhere in there. Mm. If you get outscored single-handedly by your teammate, if your team, if they didn't need you to win the to the to win, win the, the team tri- driving championship, then uh, then maybe it's like the the old adage: if a tree falls in the woods and you, uh, you're not around to hear it, did it really fall or yeah. whatever? Yeah. <laughs> did it make a sound? That's check. Fun stat on that: the um, each team has to pay a fee to enter for the a season based on how many points they won oh, the previous season. Boy. And Red Bull's entry fee this year is like seven and a half million dollars, which kind of sounds like a drop in the bucket. But relative to second place, uh, which I think was Mercedes, right? The, they were only like three and a half million dollars. So it was like twice as much. 
So it's it's like seventy five hundred bucks per point that you score in the previous season. You have to pay the next season. That's so weird. That is really weird. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's another season for us to be able to uh, kind of figure out if this is if this is going to be an exciting season or not. I'm going to watch the rest of Drive to Survive to uh, tonight and uh, the rest of the week to try to get ahead of things. So it, it, important point to remember: the next two, the first two races are on Saturday, not Sunday. Saturday morning race. Oh, because don't of, miss uh, it because of time because of Ramadan because of Ramadan. No, Ramadan. Okay, so they're right. pushing it back. They got to be so because the next two are in the Middle East. So Saturday races, and then when Australia comes around, we'll be racing on Tuesday because of the time difference. Some so, random. There you yeah. go. <laughs> All right, for Dan Jimenez, Alex Kiri here. We will be back again next week for an actual race breakdown of your 2024 season. So for Dan, I'm Alex. We'll see you next time, everybody. 